BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, October 30th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, Monroe Anderson, as we've been saying, uh, took off for the West Coast, was wearing shades, uh, been driving a, a Corvette Stingray with the, the top down. Being... Our live stream viewers can't see this. It's not in the camera view, but there's a surfboard in the corner. <laughs> <over. laughs> he's got the surfboard. He's been smoking that good marijuana weed. I mean, he's been All just right. hanging. Oh, wait, sorry. Take that. Uh, wait, it's legal in marijuana, D. Okay. California. Yeah, it's legal. Not, yeah, not, they, not they until have, January here, bud. They, they have brands. They have their you own. You go game. to the store and they they got like you go for booze or something like that. Have these various brands. I see. And my 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 sister just is just getting back from there today, and she was she, her mind was blown at the exquisite brands. <laughs> they don't have that at Gary, Indiana. Right. Exactly. God. Right. I know. Exactly. Gary, Indiana. Monroe Anderson's a little like uh, the Jackson family. Got out of Gary, Indiana as soon as he could. Never well, looked back. Uh, well, <laughs> as the joke go- goes, uh-huh. Indiana is a great place to be from. That is correct. Far away. Far from. away. <laughs> uh, uh, the views and opinions expressed by Monroe Anderson to our beloved Hoosier State are those of Monroe. Yeah, Indianans. Re- please keep listening. Hoosiers. We love you, Hoosiers. Uh, anyway, so Monroe's back from the coast, ready to talk some Trump, and Atiba Buchanan is, uh, oh, he didn't even go to the coast. He's always ready to talk Trump. Atiba, when Dennis introduced you, he introduced you as VON uh, talk show host, and uh, so I'm, that's good enough for me to say. Is that good enough for you to say? It is. We're actually on again this Friday. All right. So what is it, like almost a month straight now? Cool. Well, actually, about a month, a little over a month. So, yeah, it's, it's informally our spot. So right. we, we, we're, we're happy about it. And, uh, yeah, that would be uh, a TV Buchanan and the great David Seaton. Friday uh, nights. Friday nine nights. Nine to midnight. Nine to midnight on WVON. Uh, and I'm going to bring David Seaton back. I keep promising to have the D- great David Seaton, Neil Muhammad debate. We're going right, to get right. that. We're gonna get, uh, both parties want to do it. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm bringing popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm bringing a bouncer. <laughs> David Seaton and Neil Muhammad, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you and Monroe got a similar little style going today. Oh, oh I know. Yeah, he got the memo. Yeah, the hat, man. Those hats are super cool. If you yeah. can see that on the TV thing, the his hats. Is, his is cooler. His is a Kango. Yeah. Mine is from Burlington Co-Factory. Okay. There's a difference. I, I, yeah. <laughs> but Bangle. they're both. I actually kind of like 
your hat a lot. I'm not saying I don't like your hat, but your hat is it goes with your sweaters. Right, right. right. I'm trying to coordinate and, and you know keep it coordinated in light, in light of my man passing today. We're so sad about that, John Witherspoon. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I did not yeah. know that. I've been in the booth all day. If, yeah. you, had, if you haven't seen Boomerang, then yeah. you wouldn't know what I yeah. just referenced. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Boomerang was one of the great movies. Our, our barbershop. Yeah, he died Friday. Yeah, he died this morning. Oh. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, he's in a Friday series. Yeah. He was the voice uh, of the grandfather in the Boondocks. Pops from he's, the Wayans Brothers. Yeah. yeah. Wow, stayed, I did not know he died. He stayed mm-hmm. busy. Uh, and uh, so that's in honor of him. And I, of yeah. course, am wearing uh, my uh, Red Bulls hat. In you represent. I'm representing the Chicago teachers. And I uh, appreciate them for standing up for uh, poor kids in the city of Chicago who usually get overlooked. Anyway, enough on the teachers. Uh, we're going to bring, uh, we have a special guest at the end of the show, a teacher herself sitting here. I'm going to keep that a surprise, a mystery guest. I'll talk a little teacher uh, issues and city of Chicago. But uh, Monroe and Atiba, welcome back. And Monroe, it's been too long without Trump talk with you. So before we just take this, the uh, deep dive into some of the specific issues like Colonel Vinman and William Taylor and Trump's insanity uh, with police, his speech to the police chiefs and uh, what else? Uh, the impeachment, uh, and Nancy Pelosi making going to have a vote. I'm just going through all the lists we're going to cover. Uh, Trump uh, losing his mind when he announced uh, that the, the special ops killing of Baghdadi. Before we do any of that, just any general impressions? Three weeks it's been since you've been on the show. Any general impressions of the state of the country under President Donald John Trump in the last three weeks? Impeach, <laughs> indict, imprison. Kind of in that order. In that yes, order. Exactly. In that order. You impeach right. him, yeah. and then you and and what? You, and I'm talking about full-blown impeachment, not just the the House, but the Senate. Then you indict him for all the crimes he's uh, committed. And then you put him in prison. You lock him up. <laughs> lock him up. Okay, lock Monroe him Anderson. Up. Well, I guess you're consistent at least. All the fires in California haven't changed your point of view oh, on things. Yeah, no, and if you recall, it's been two and a half years since yes. I first brought this up. And tomorrow... The House will vote on on rules for the impeachment. All right. Well, I will start with that one. Uh, uh, Tipe, what's your thoughts about the House voting on the rules? Yeah, absolutely. So what what they're doing is is just a, a strategic move to take away the argument that uh, Republicans have had about process. Republicans have been completely unable uh, to address any of the substance of, of what the Democrats or what the Democrats are doing, uh, they certainly have not been able to, in, in, in any reasonable fashion to justify uh, any of Trump's behaviors uh, con- concerning Ukraine. Uh, in light of that, they've only been left with, well, we don't like the process. So you saw a bunch of House members who actually had authority to be in the meetings uh, bombard a meeting that, again, they had authority to be in. So, you know, making that spectacle. Um, you, you've seen all types of distractions and deflections. Again, the, their primary argument has been this is done in the dark of night. We need to have public hearings. We need to be able to cross-examine, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so they've just really complained about the process. This now eliminates that argument. So we're going to sit back and watch and see how they move the goalposts. Yeah, and it falls into the careful what you wish for category. Right. <laughs> what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? you got to have all these fact witnesses on TV telling the story again, retelling the story on how Trump committed a crime. Mm-hmm. Although he's confessed to it, Mulvaney um, 
confirmed that he, he, he committed it. Oh God, that's another so, thing on the uh, list I forgot. Yeah, you, right, you, yeah, 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 right, exactly. Um, he, he wasn't invited to the um, killing of Baghdadi. Uh, the chief being, of staff. Yeah, the yeah, chief of staff chief being of punished. Staff. Yeah, right. Uh, well, let's let's talk about or out of favor. Who knows the the political uh, aspect of all this? The Democrats. I've had uh, people come on the show. David Ferris, a political scientist, came on the show in the uh, since you guys have been on. And in his opinion, he was saying that uh, Nancy Pelosi is a, a brilliant strategist, uh, and she's waiting for things to work on her calendar, not Donald Trump's calendar, in terms of having this vote if she has it at all. Uh, he was suggesting that she not have the vote. Uh, Tiba, do you think there's any, you know, possibilities that could backfire from a strategic point of view for the Democrats to have have this vote? Or do you think it's just the smart thing to do? I think it's a smart thing to do. I, I, I'm What we know about Speaker Pelosi is that she's not going to have this vote without knowing it's going to go through. Right. So right. <laughs> she's all you know, that that's already been confirmed. She know there won't be any surprises. Um, and, and the only thing I can see is is upside because people are really most of their minds are made up. If you if you're if you're an anti-Trumper, then, you know, fine. If you if you support Trump, you know, you're, you're going to believe it's a witch hunt. But for the few people that are kind of on the fence, these public hearings are going to mean a lot. And right now, again, with impeachment basically being a political process, it is very, very important to get to, to begin to uh, try him in the court of public opinion. And, and, I, and I agree that now, is, now, now that they've had, what, a dozen witnesses come in and verify what the whistleblower said, I think the Democrats finally have the, the, the comfortability to go ahead and bring this to the light of day now. Right. And what's amazing to me is that the Republicans are still um, going on about the whistleblower mm -hmm. and his or her credibility when they don't even need the whistleblower anymore because it's been confirmed on so many levels that Trump uh, strong-armed Zelensky to try to get him to um, come up with some dirt on Biden. Even I mean, I don't even know ultimately if the uh, objective was to get dirt. Just uh, Trump wanted Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine, of Ukraine, to announce that they were doing an investigation of Biden. They didn't yes. even have to come up with any dirt. Yeah, just but announce. that would have made him happier. Oh yeah, they yeah, right, exactly. manufactured some case it, against it, Biden's exactly. kid. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely correct. And yeah, then, and then and then we have Giuliani running a shadow government and also trying to make a little pocket change, a little get, get a little something something on the side through the oil fields. There, I mean it's. This is going to be, now that it's the can, can of worms has been opened, it's going to be fascinating because there's some crooked stuff, some really criminal stuff going on. Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating, too, from the perspective of how deep it goes. Right. This is not just about Donald Trump. Right. This touches Mike Pence. This touches Giuliani, uh, Mike Pompeo. The list goes on. The only person who's going to be sit back, sitting back laughing is John Bolton. Explain that. Well, he was the national security advisor who was unceremoniously fired by Donald Trump. Um, and part of, of what, you know, you, we've been, it's been reported now that part of what uh, John Bolton was upset about was Rudy Giuliani's shadow campaign and that being against American interest. So somebody in the room had some type of 
common sense about themselves. So again, he he has been it, it has been reported that he has been way against what Rudy Giuliani has been doing. Um, so again, he's he's one of the few people that yeah. would not take a part in this at all. Right. And he's going to sit back and watch a lot of his comrades either get charged or dismissed or he, impeached yeah, he or ca- whatever. He called it a drug deal. Right. John Bolton did. Yeah, he called he it a drug deal. And, you know, what's really what's going to come out, I mean, it's been reported, but what's going to become apparent to um, the American voter b- before this is over is how our national security was endangered. As a result of this, this deal, because we have Russia and the Ukraine, Ukraine in a shooting war. They need um, the money that Congress had, had passed to come to them. Had allocated, that, yeah. Had allocated that, that Trump was holding up. And it, what that did and does, in effect, is it helps Russia. Surprise, surprise. And... It hurts us in the sense of Ukraine is one of those um, frontline countries that works as a buffer for us and Europe against Russian advances, and so you um, what what you what you're going to have is Putin now trying to get to um, the smaller former Soviet Union c- countries like Georgia, and um, see see if he can take them back. He wants to make the Soviet Union great again, and he's doing a better job at, at that than Trump is at what he promised to do with America. And he's doing it through Trump. Right, exactly. I mean, if Trump had he's his way, he'd be back in the G8. Yeah, exactly. Well, let me ask you about that, Atiba, to get your thoughts on this and then Monroe as well. Do you think that Donald Trump is consciously being an agent for Putin's interest, or do you think that Donald Trump is just a bumbling fool whose antics are working to the benefit of Putin. And that's a that that question is surprisingly tough. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, because no, it's not. Because on so many levels, he is a bumbling exactly. fool, yes. right? But exactly. on the other hand, I really feel like that there's that there's something Putin must have on him, yeah, right. or or just there's there's you know I just see both of those scenarios hey, I guess being possible at the same time. Right. Exactly. It's yeah. both of them. That's both. what it is. He's a bumbling. He's a he's a keystone crook, and he is an agent, a, a, a Russian agent. Um, they were loaning him, the, the Russian oligarchs have been giving Trump money since the, the 90s. Yep. Because of his failing casinos and what have you. And no one here would give him any money. Right, and no one here would give him. So he is indebted to them. They have all sorts of secrets on him. And um, plus, if, if, if he could wave a magic wand, he would be the type of strong man that Putin is. So on and top of everything else, trying. he has sort of like this fantasy uh, yeah, yeah. rush. Right, exactly. Putin. And and he likes strong men in general. Yeah. You know, because now you have to remember or, or take into consideration that his empire is a, basically a mom-and-pop store. He didn't have a board of directors to report to. He just did whatever he did, stockholders, anything. He just did what he did and screwed up a bunch of businesses. He's a failed businessman, yeah. but he got to do what he, he's done. And he wants to run. He thought he could, and he keeps trying to run America the way he did his business. And that's not the way it works. 
Well, uh, Atiba, I have to tell you this. I've been listening to Monroe say uh, pretty much the same thing for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he's on to something. I, I wrestle with that question I asked you. Yeah. Because uh, to to accuse American president of being a, a an agent of, of Putin is quite a powerful accusation. I'm not sure I'm ready to go there yet. I uh, am. Yeah, okay. Right. right. <laughs> no, I mean, because, okay. no, let me tell you why. Because uh, yeah. what Donald Trump has done, yeah. he's normalized yeah. a lot of his foolishness. So, you know, if, if any other president had stood next to Putin in, in Helsinki and said, I don't, right. I don't see why it would be him. Right. Like that, that put, put, you're right. Put you're Obama right. there. Right. Yeah, like that, would have been, there. that would have been it. But because we've normalized, he's, he's, he's just bombarded us with so, it's, it's easy to forget. Like, no, he, he said, forget U.S. intelligence. He said he didn't do it, so I believe him. I don't see why it would be. Yeah. I don't see why he would do it. And I mean, it, it was just that that was that was an, an, an amazing moment. Right. Nancy Pelosi said all roads lead to Putin. Right. And that's that's what it is. All right. Let me let me just make a, a slight uh, difference here. Take a, a phrase it different to get your reaction to this. Uh, when you say he's normalized his craziness and Monroe, you agree. I'm not so certain that he has done that uh, across the board. I believe that uh, there's still a majority of the people in this country, uh, either those who are pay consciously paying attention, really paying attention right now, or those who are about to start paying attention, who uh, do not accept this as normal behavior. But what he has done is taken over the Republican Party and captivated the Republican Party's base so that they fall in line with whatever insanity comes out of his mouth, even if it is abnormal. And that, to me, is really scary because we're heading forward. We're seeing a parade. We'll get into the witnesses and what they've said, Atiba. Uh, but I don't see any Republicans, and I'm talking about Republicans who are not, like, Republicans who are either uh, not up for re-election or are up for re-election. I don't see any Republicans, with the exception maybe of Mitt Romney, who's right, wavering. He, no, he's, who are, he's, he's, you know, yeah, he, no, yeah, who got he the was finger, Mitt, exactly. yeah, he finger was Mitt. in the air. He I did see, the Mitt. That's <laughs> unbelievable. That's the part that, that's, I mean, I don't even know if it's normal. It's like they're his enablers. Yeah. So do you buy that distinction? To your point. I pulled it. You know, I try to bring a tweet. That's insight, something I think is insightful. So uh, this former U.S. Uh, Air Force, USAF, uh, Andrew Goss, he, I follow him on Twitter. And he, he made a couple of bullet points. He says, attacking Gold Star families, attacking John McCain, attacking Robert Mueller, attacking Alexander Vindman. Republicans don't ever get to claim that they're the party who supports the troops ever again. All for a draft-dodging bone spur. And that, and that, and that's to your point yeah. that how he's taken over the Republican Party that they that they would look to slander Alexander Vin, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman, who came to the White House fully decorated with shrapnel still inside his body from uh, an IUD, IED. So uh, again, that they would attack him. He's currently in the administration. He's he's active duty uh, for for this president, the president that couldn't be bothered to be drafted. 
uh, for his fake bone spurs. It, it is absolutely amazing what he's done with the party. I, that's the one thing I do credit him for, and it's it's, it's disgusting. Wait, you, what do you mean you credit him for that? I just credit Trump with being able to co-opt the party the way that he has. I mean, every every supposed value that conservatives stood for, he's destroyed. They can't say that they're the party of fiscal responsibility. Look at the deficits. Right. They, they can't they can't say that they're about patriotism. This is a guy who's co-opted by Putin. So wh- what is it that they really stand for? Because everything they can't even be about family values because he grabs them by the you know what. Right. Um, he has. Well, what they, the, 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 he, the one thing he gives them that they want is judges. He's, he's like, right he's loaded that. up the courts with these right wing judges with the, who will be impacting um, our laws for the, decades. In, for decades, yeah, half a century or so. And so he's, he's done that, and they're very happy about that because they see that as a means of. Um, protecting what they claim they value. All right, to flip the switch on you then, do you see anything comparable in the Democratic Party where Democrats have tolerated outrageous behavior uh, for the short-term interests of, let's say, nominating judges? Do you think you're in No, judges have never been, unfortunately, judges were just now waking up to um, that strategy. You know, the, the, the Republicans have been fighting uh, 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 for judges since Bork. That was, uh, that was a straw that broke the, the camel's back with them when in 80, what, 85, 86, somewhere around there. Yeah. When Bork was up for maybe 87, but he didn't there. Uh, Ronald 80s. Reagan appointed him yeah. to fill a vacancy in the Supreme yeah. Court, and, and Joe Biden was yeah. the head of the Judiciary Committee and right. they uh, rejected uh, exactly. Bork's. Exactly, and Mitch McConnell was in Washington at that time, and he swore that his mission was going to be to load up the courts, and that's what he's doing. That's what he's all about. Yeah. So and, all right. And, so and, and Trump is going. I mean, actually, it's, it's Mitch's idea that Trump is just like okay. All fine. right. So remove the 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 issue of the judges side. Have you ever seen uh, Democrats betray all their values, throw out everything they supposedly believe in for a short term gain? Yeah. What um. Uh What's that guy's name? Uh, the the producer. Oh, Harvey Weinstein. Right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, with Harvey Weinstein, right? We've seen all that reporting out of Ronan Farrell about how he was silenced. NBC silenced him. Rachel Maddow came out and talked about it. Chris Hayes came out and condemned their own networks. Uh, so if the, you know if it, if it's the right but that thing, that wasn't Democrats though. That was that yeah. that was corporate America. Well, what, what you're yeah. saying is that uh, there are other examples aside from the Republicans, right? Uh, but politically, politically speaking, yeah. I, I haven't seen it. I mean, I'm, I'm still right. stinging over right. Al Franken. So. Right, exactly. So you're still, you're one of the uh, people out there who think Al Franken should have held onto a seat? I do. Um, given, I mean, given where we are, we got rid of Al Franken as expeditiously as we did because we thought if we set the example that then Republicans would play by that rule book. And what we've learned is they don't care. Exactly. We can kick out whoever we want to kick out. They're going to do what they, they will turn right around and not do it to someone in their party that does it. So we, right. we can't you, you just can't convince them to do the right thing. It's not going to happen. So if, if, if they're telling us how to play the game, I say we play the they're, game with their know, rules. They, I mean, and the latest example of that is this woman, Representative Hall. 
out of California. I forget her first name. But um, she just resigned from Congress because um, she had an affair with one of her staff members. And and so she resigns this. I mean, and it's really a, an interesting story. I mean, um, she was she was getting her, she and her husband were getting divorced. And it was a rank uh, rancorous divorce. He put out the word that he ran pictures of her with her staff member as a lover, and the staff member was a woman also. That <laughs> she's by. And so he puts this out as revenge porn. And so she gets kicked. She's the first woman to get caught up in the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like she, nothing's been proven yet. You know, she just had the accusation, but they forced her to resign. She resigns out of that. And ironically, here's another irony to that, mm-hmm. is um, George... Um, Papa do is going to run. Oh yeah, the, for her seat. Yeah, uh, the kid from uh, N- uh, Niles who, West High School who yeah, spent who, fourteen days or whatever yeah, who in jail, did jail for yeah, for, for yeah. Uh, his role in uh, Trump Papadopoulos. Yeah, Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I got to say this about Franken. Uh, we're in a tangent with a tangent. We'll get back to Trump, but uh, I believe that. If you have principles, you stand to your principles. And it shouldn't be about, uh, you know, well, we're going to hope that Republicans follow. You either believe in this stuff and you stand to it, or you don't believe in this stuff and you don't stand to it. And every, every, uh, all institutions in our country, Tibor and Monroe, are being forced to deal with Me Too stuff. Right. The entertainment industry, talk about Harvey Weinstein. Everybody's looked the other way. Harvey Weinstein, they, they were making jokes about it at the uh, uh, Oscars back in 2005. Everybody laughing about it. Everyone knew what was going on with right. Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, he, he, he put a capital C on casting couch. That's the Monroe Anderson. He's back from Hollywood with his wisecracks. So, you know, and, and we've seen it in the financial world. We've seen it in politics. So finally we're reconciling ourselves. We're coming face-to-face uh, with the situation where uh, men are, uh, are predators and preying on women who are helpless because they owe their jobs to them or livelihood, et cetera, and so forth. So, you know, if the Denver... I re- I share your general sense, Atiba, that it's not fair that these arguments are only on the it's only on the Democratic side. It's the same thing with criminal justice. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into Trump's speech, but Kamala Harris is under fire for her position as Attorney General of the State of California for her at locking people up without giving them due process, without considering that maybe they're you know unfairly treated, etc. So Republicans don't. They just give the middle finger at the whole notion of just locking up black people all the time. Right. So it's like there's two standards. The argument is only in the Democratic side. So it is a frustrating well, thing. And, and, and then with Franken, I, I just think that was a, a a bad move overall. I mean, you had he had this photograph of him um, pretending to fill up a feel feel f e e l. Yes, I understand. Uh, up a woman. Yeah who had a flak jacket on. <laughs> now, if, if you got to try to 
do that. You would think there'd be more exposure. So you're <laughs> saying it was just a joke, obviously. It was a joke. He was clowning. She yeah. was pretending to be asleep. She wasn't even asleep. But you have his photograph with her right? hands. Yes. Yeah, she, 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 yeah. She's an analysis. and she was just pretending to be asleep? I oh, that I don't know. I don't know. But I do know he wasn't a senator when he did it. Right, right. That was before he was a senator. So, right. had, like, had had that picture been taken while he was an active senator, maybe I could see it. But again, I mean, I could, the picture wasn't definitely in poor taste. I get it. Right. But this is a this is a Senate seat. Right. This isn't like this isn't one of four hundred thirty five Congress. This is a Senate seat. Right. So even if we were going to get to that point, that that process should have been way slower. Much more investigating being done. It, it was it was way too fast to just give up a Senate seat for right. that. Right. All right. We'll let that one go. That we're we're relitigating a situation that went down over a year ago. But I could fire something back. But you know what? Just like I did with Mayor Lori Lightfoot Atiba, I'm going to let it go for the moment. <laughs> uh, we we're, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to be talking more Trump, Trump, Trump with Monroe Anderson and T. Buchanan. We'll be right back the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. How do you respond to people who think that, regardless of the underlying facts, the way you handled the question of your Native American heritage was tone-deaf, offensive, and indicative of a lack of presidential tact? Well, I grew up in Oklahoma. I learned about my family from my family. And based on that, that's, that's just kind of who I am. And I do the best I can with it. You know, there was an investigation. Nothing I ever did or my family played any role in any job I ever got. But I'll tell you this, I have now done 38 town halls in Massachusetts last year, and this is my 32nd town hall since January. And what I've discovered is that people care a lot about what's happening to their lives. Today's Ben Jarofsky show was brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. All together, everybody, Green Element Resale. They're located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. And people, best thrift shop I've ever been to in my life. Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. until 7 p.m. Sundays, 12 until 7 p.m. It's Green Element Resale. They have books. They got clothes. They got furniture, antiques. Ben loves the candles there. <laughs> <laughs> Am I lying? No, I love candles. My goodness, he loves candles. He uh, loves the cannabis candles. Still, I uh, don't know what about those, buddy. Uh, they got candles. They got antiques, mattresses, clothes, tons of stuff. Go check it out. It's Green Element Resale. Once again, 6241 North Broadway in <laughs> Chicago. Uh, and it's right. What's so funny? I love candles. I know I you know. do. I love that cannabis candle. <laughs> right, okay. be, right between Devon and Granville off of Broadway, you may see a big giant Green Element Resale truck. And if you go to Green Element Resale, tell them you Heard this ad on the Ben Jarofsky show. I'm not sure if they'll give you anything. Maybe. I don't know. More than likely not. But it's Green Element Resale, and you can find more information at greenelementresale.com. Once again, Green 
elementresale.com. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Hey, TV Buchanan and Monroe Anderson in the studio with me. We're talking Trump, Trump, Trump. But before we get back to them, I believe the young doctor has an update. Yes, I do. Not a doctor. Okay. Uh, this <laughs> comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, we got a teacher strike update here. This is at about 12.53 this afternoon. Breaking news. Breaking. Make the breaking news noise. Oh, there it is. Good, good sound effects here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. All right. It says here, 12.53 p.m., about 500 members of the Chicago Teachers Union converged on the corner of Roosevelt Road and Clark Street mm. this afternoon to protest the development of the 78. Yeah. The development is one of two mega projects that received a substantial public funding from city council. I mean, we say that, but you know that if you listen to this program, Ben talks about the 78 all the time. Just before 1 p.m., it says they flooded the intersection of Roosevelt Road and Delano Court, shutting down traffic. Uh, I got some audio to play here from that. This is on Twitter. Hopefully it sounds good. It doesn't. <laughs> uh, by the way, speaking of Twitter, Atiba is going to email something to Dennis so that Dennis can play it later. This is uh, breaking the fourth wall here. Uh, and uh, so he's. Do you have his email address? Uh, well, I got I got okay. the email right here okay. uh, already. But All we'll right. be keeping we'll you posted on uh, the Chicago teacher strike as long as we're here on the uh, program. Ben Jarofsky, back to you. Yeah, I just to, to help people out a little bit. Uh, by the way, we have a mystery guest coming up pretty soon to talk about the teacher strike. She's getting ready to talk teacher strike. Uh, but uh, that TIF deal, that's exactly what it is. It's a TIF deal in the uh, South Loop um, at Roosevelt Road. Uh, the dentist said, what was it? Roosevelt Clark Street. Huge tract of undeveloped land. It's been sitting there forever and ever. City of Chicago's not quite sure what they want to do with it. Uh, the general idea all along has been that the city has to subsidize the development uh, because... I don't know, because that's what the city does. It subsidizes development. Just don't let developers take the risk on their own. And uh, my attitude... Contributions. Ah, thank you. Monroe knows the game. That's how you get contributions. He says you subsidize development and the developers subsidize you. That's how it exactly. goes in the city of Chicago. All exactly. right, teachers better learn that. All right. And yeah. uh, give them some money. <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it, it's like watering a plant. If right. you water the plant, the plant will turn around and water you. Okay. <laughs> Such a thing as possible. What's that plant in that uh, little house of horrors? Remember the big plant? That, yeah. You know, the little plant. That anyway, so it's. Uh, so that's a TIF deal. I think that's a $1.1 billion, that's B, a billion with a B, uh, TIF deal. They're subsidizing that one as opposed to the $1.3 billion with a B at Lincoln Yards. And both of those TIF deals were passed uh, by the city council of Mayor Rahm's last city council meeting before he left city office, left office, as I like to say, Mayor Rahm left office the way he came in, Monroe Anderson, with two middle fingers raised high at the city of Chicago, and the people were dumb enough to elect him in the first place. And I just want to point out, Monroe Anderson, I did not repeat, did not vote for Mayor Rahm back in 2011. Take a chill pill, man. <laughs> That's yeah. that's because you're jealous that he didn't make you his press secretary. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Greg, oh, yeah, it's Greg Muller. Greg, do agree? Can you imagine me as Mayor Rahm's press secretary? Well, hey, boss, what am I supposed to say about this? Shut up and just say anything, okay? You, you'd, be like, you'd be like Sean. Oh, Spicer? Yeah, yeah I'd be, be like on Spicy. Dancing with the Stars. Exactly. Right. Man, I'll, I... 
dance as good as Sean Spicer uh, right now without the lessons. Uh, so anyway, all right, that's the latest teacher update. Um, uh, Monroe, all right, let's break down. There's some of the things that happened the three weeks uh, you were gone. Where to start? Let's start, I guess, uh, what do you want? I've got a whole list of them. Uh, William Taylor, his testimony uh, before Congress. You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, let's talk about the fact that we've had 10 witnesses, fact witnesses, to come before the House um, talking um, talking about Trump's crime, how he tried to shake down President um, Zelensky of the Ukraine of Ukraine um, into impacting meddling in our presidential election. Mm-hmm. The very thing that he has denied he did with the Russians in 2016, he's trying to do in 2020. Um, and the Republicans are doing backflips, trying to um, claim that it's not happening, and it didn't happen, it's not happening now. Ironically, we, we've learned that, well, not ironically, just real, um, we've learned that the day after it became apparent that the Mueller report was not going to impact him and have any consequences mm-hmm. is when he got on the phone with Ukraine start setting up this deal. Do you think there's a direct correlation I between think, feeling that he uh, yes. uh, was Yes, and that's how he impervious. operates. You know, I mean, he's operated. The thing is he, is, he is rotten to the core. So he's operated this way for 50 years on every kind of, you know, I mean, even to the, okay, here's another example. He, he's famous for not paying people who did work for him. Um, painters, um, plumbers, you name it, craftsmen for, on his building. He would pay them some. They'd have a contract, and he'd pay them some of the money, but not all of it. And then say, and then say, take me to court. And they'd tie it up in the courts. Um, with his campaigns, rallies in these various cities, he's not pay, reimbursed them although he has 125 million dollars in his campaign mm. or, or more i mean more than that but anyway he's not reimbursed the cities for the expenses the extra expenses they had where they had to bring police protection and what have you and so all these cities are complaining because he's left them hand holding the bag as he did with his plumbers and painters etc and the man is just no good <laughs> Uh, Atiba. Yeah, he's first of all, everything he said is right. Uh, he has always been known uh, for not paying his contractors, which I found just hilarious because I listened to his speech again to the uh, to the Chicago police officers, and he talked about Jussie Smollett, and he said he would he said you know he said he would be better off if he paid us hundred thousand dollars that he owed for all the overtime, and I was like, oh my God, look who's talking about owing people money and leaving right. them hanging. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what he's known for. If he, if he can't pay it, he won't, if he can get away with it. And to your earlier point about him being emboldened, if you think he was emboldened after the, uh, Mueller report, and, and that's in, in no small part, thanks to Bill Barr, right. uh, you know, attorney general, Bill right, Barr. attorney general Bill Barr putting that fire out for him. If you think he was emboldened after that. God forbid he wins this election. You haven't seen anything until you've seen a second term Trump. Talk about that. Well, again, because now he won't have to worry about 
being reelected. He won't have to work. He's already made it clear that he's only the president of his base. And, and, and he will he will try and placate a, a few independents here and there enough to win again. But once he's won again for that second term and now he doesn't have to worry about trying to represent all of America, then he knows he can just act a fool. And on top of that, he knows a lot of the crimes that he would have been uh, indicted for in his first uh, term will have, will have, by the time he leaves office, passed the statute of limits. he will have committed, he's of committed all sorts of other crimes. Into, right, so except he, all he, the new ones. Right. Machine. You know, uh, and Monroe, I d- this is another point. i got to ask you about this. This yeah. is not on my list, but yeah. it just popped into my mind. While you were gone uh, on, on vacation, uh, Donald Trump gave a speech at a historical black college in the South talking about patting himself on the back for being the greatest friend black people have ever had right. uh, in terms of his the law he passed, the, uh, the bill that he got Congress to pass. Uh, I, I really don't know what actually did for anybody who's in jail, to tell you the honest to God truth, other than give Trump a talking point on criminal justice. And I have a hard time believing I really do. Okay, now feel free to vigorously disagree with me that any black voter in the United States is dumb enough to listen to that speech and come away saying, yeah, you know, the man makes a good point. I think I'll vote for Donald John Trump. What do you think? James N. Well, he was already saying that. I'm <laughs> right, talking about anybody who's on, who wasn't already for Donald oh, Trump. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, no, no, yeah, no, no. no. I mean, there are. He has his black support. I, yeah, I believe it's less than one percent. Yeah, yeah well, it's like Kanye West. Right, exactly. Well, who who now says it was a big joke? I missed that. Did yeah. he actually say he, that? I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, he did. He said that. he was joking. He said it was a big put on his support. He's still wearing MAGA hats, but uh, okay. he said he, yeah, he says it. Got, got you know, it, it, it was it's almost like he was catfishing or something. Mm. Well, so what is the point of Donald Trump going to uh, a historically he, black college and giving that speech? Those are people that are begging for money, right? And it, and it was a photo op. Only ten black students were invited. Yep, ten. And three of them had classes or something. So seven they told, showed up. They literally told all the other students to stay in their dorms. Right. Yeah, they locked them down. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Um, so, yeah. Because they didn't want any protests. That is embarrassing. Uh, you know, because, I mean, and, and this is, I mean, this is what is so delicious about Trump being um, booed. At the game, at, right? At, at the, at at the, the, game, at the, the World baseball Series game. game. Yeah. yeah. Because for the last two and a half years, they have carefully curated his audiences. So they're all just pro-Trump and love him and cheer or what have you. They couldn't curate the World Series, so he got booed. He got booed. And he didn't know how to take it. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, it's like, because... What's happened, one of the things that has happened is they only show him good news. You know, his feed every morning with mm-hmm. the clippings and what yeah. have you. They only show him praise. That's what he, he, because he's a narcissist. That's the only thing he's interested in. So they have, have, have grown to, you don't bring him, don't bring him no news. Watch. No bad news. Yeah. Uh, Atibu, Don't nobody bring me. Yeah, right, exactly. No bad news. Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's from the Wiz. Uh, yeah, right, Atibu, exactly. Uh, please, uh, 
uh, take a little dive on the speech that uh, Donald Trump, I know you want to talk about this. Donald Trump was in Chicago on Monday yeah. giving a speech to a collection of police chiefs from across the United States. One police chief who is not there is our very own Eddie Johnson, police superintendent here in the city Yay. of Chicago. <laughs> uh, Eddie Johnson said, you know what, I'm not going for it for doing that. I don't know if you guys saw this. You were in L.A. Uh, hanging poolside. But, uh, well, for, <laughs> Sorry, I love teasing Monroe about going to L.A. But uh, uh, hey, and, and where are you going for Thanksgiving? <laughs> L.A. Uh, okay, I'll be wearing my shades. Um, but uh, if, if for uh, for doing that, the Fraternal Order of Police here in the city of Chicago had a no confidence vote. The, the board, for, yep. uh, So that I don't can't, uh, dig that. But anyway, um, help people out a little bit. Uh, the significance of that speech and what he did there. Yeah. So basically, um, this, the, the, all, the overtone of the speech was to, uh, basically tell police that he loves them, um, that, that he has, that they have no greater supporter than him. Uh, and he, and I guess he tries to, to substantiate it by saying he and Bill Barr, William Barr, attorney general are, are going to release $600 million of military grade equipment to local police uh, offices around the country. So he wants them to have all of this high-tech stuff that our military uses. To further again, militarize to the further, police. Exactly. Um, as an occupying citizens. army in the black community. Absolutely. He also talked about what he called, a borrow a, a word from George W. Bush, a surge. So he said he and William Barr are going to have a surge uh, we're going to notice re- results very quickly, as he likes to say. Uh, so there, there's apparently going to be some type of surge in what he called high crime urban areas and high crime rural areas. Uh, we don't know what that's going to look like, but as he was saying it, all I could just see was folks' civil violations just being violated left and right, civil rights being violated mm-hmm. left and right. Um, so again, it was just a speech to 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 really because conf- he all he took a he took a lot of time to talk about. Eddie Johnson, he talked about Chicago crime rates and the number of murders, which are down, but he made it sound as if he, I think he, I think his quote was Afghanistan is a safer city than Chicago. You know, and, 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 and the thing that's, that's appalling, as many things are with him, mm-hmm. is he is the most lawless president in American Ever. history. And he's pretending to be a law and order president. Mm-hmm. That's what, and that's what frustrates me. To yeah. listen to him, I'm like, you, you love law enforcement until they're coming after you. Right. You love the Constitution until it constrains you. I mean, he literally said your phony emoluments clause. Right. Who, like, wait a minute. I thought, I thought Republicans were, constitution, were strict constitutionalists. And now this guy can go around saying the phony emoluments clause. And, of course, in the speech to these police officers, he talked about what a Second Amendment lover he was. So, again, you, you, he gets to pick and choose what parts of the Constitution he likes, what parts of it he doesn't like. He gets to pick and choose when he supports law enforcement and when he doesn't. Well, I mean, mainly I, he lies. And I mainly mean, that's he the lies. the baseline. Right. Is, you know, I mean, even with this, this, um, this memorandum that he's calling a transcript of his phone call, with Zelensky, mm-hmm. he is saying that um, it was um, a verbatim, and there was nothing in there. There's a ver- ver- verbatim, and it's not tr- it's not it's not verbatim. It's a it's a, a summary, um, and it says that at the top yeah. of the page. No, and this is what was uh, so important 
Uh, by the way, I just I, I want to move on to the transcript and Vidman. Can I just say one other Go thing ahead, about yeah. the police thing? Because this yeah. is the whole point of it. Yeah. Yeah. The whole point of it is, as you mentioned, with the vote of no confidence, what we saw was a lot of the things that he said, appalling as they were, received raucous applause. And these are people that are supposed to be, you know, you, you hear about the thin blue wall. I, di I didn't see any support for Eddie Johnson. Like, so, so now he can come in, talk about a police officer, and the other police officers clap for it. Well, if you, if you, if you looked at it on TV, you noticed most of those police chiefs were white. Right. And well, so we, 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 you know, we keep coming back to race. No, also. the ra race, and, and I've said this on the show so many times, Atiba, uh, when I, you know, I've been seeing this for years and years, following what I'm about to say. Somehow or other, white people and black people can join the military, be in the same military, and come out, have the same set of experiences in the military, mm -hmm. face the same kind of wars, similar with black people and white people, join the police force, have similar experiences, serve for the same institution, pay, play by the same rules, be up against the same crimes and pressures. But when they emerge, somehow or other, Many, at least the loudest white guys, the loudest white veterans, and the loudest retired white cops are pro-Trump. Yeah. Right. I can't find any retired black cops, and I know a bunch <laughs> of them who are pro-Trump, okay? Right. I, I've, I've, I don't know many, I can't think of any black veterans, and I know a bunch of them, too, who are pro-Trump. So somehow or other, a black guy and a white guy goes to the same exact thing, and yet the white guy takes away a lesson that says, I'm for Donald Trump. And yeah. the <laughs> black guy is a Democrat. Please explain that to me. I can't because, again, like we said earlier, Donald Trump is, the, it's, to Monroe's point, the most lawless president ever. And he was lawless before he was president. And he's seen no reason to stop being lawless in the presidency. Um, that is the hardest thing for me to stomach about him because he is nothing. He's not a patriot. Uh, so, again, for him to talk about, you know, NFL players and call them what we know he called them SOBs on 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 a, a um, on a platform of patriotism is just phony. And that's my biggest problem with Trump is that he is completely phony in everything that he's supposed to represent. Right, he's a con man. He's he, 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 he is a, that, the, a that, grifting. Yeah, he's a grifter. And and the. His people are willing to be con. All right. Now, uh, before uh, we're running out of time here, because I want to bring our mystery guest on to talk about Chicago Public Schools. Mr. Guest is all fired up, ready to talk. She's doing push-ups in preparation before uh, she comes on. Uh, but before I bring Playing on, Rocky music. <laughs> yeah, she's playing. Da -da -da -da. All right. And, and, uh, writing, and writing down her talking points all at the same time. Uh, she has to have to write it down because she knows what she's going to speak from her heart. It's not a talking point. Uh, so moving away from Trump, but still involving Trump, got to get your opinion about Facebook and the testimony of uh, Mark Zuckerberg in Congress about a week ago, Monroe. I don't know if you were paying attention because I know you're hanging on that coast, but uh, but they do have TV on the coast, don't they? Uh, yes, I, uh, okay. and, and I have t I, I have MSNBC <laughs> on my serious radio. Wherever you go, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it was it was quite astounding. And uh, uh, AOC, I give her a shout out, uh, Congresswoman uh, Ocasio-Cortez from New York, really had Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg oh, she on. She is so sharp. Yeah, she is, she is one sharp young lady. Yes. I mean, she is, like, amazing. She and, she, and she cuts, she cuts, she, 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 
she cuts to the 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 the, the, the um, trail. You know the. To the chase, to right the chase. to it. Yeah, yeah, she goes to the chase, yeah. Uh, and uh, so Mark Zuckerberg's attitude in the confrontation, his point, uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Atibu Buchanan. You're a talk show host. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is essentially saying that uh, politicians have a, a free speech right to lie on Facebook with their commercials, their advertisements that they're paying Facebook to put on, I might add, uh, they're free to lie, and he's not responsible for uh, any of the lies they tell about their opponent. And so, uh, as Ocasio-Cortez put it right to him, could a Republican uh, go on Facebook with a commercial accusing another Republican of being for the Green New Deal? And he was momentarily, he didn't know what to say. I, I believe it's because he didn't know what the Green New Deal was, uh, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, Atiba Buchanan, you have a talk show. Could you go on your talk show? on WVON and just lie about what a person's position is? I mean, of course not. You know, we're, we're held to a different standard. But I'm going to surprise you and say, I kind of understand where he's coming from. Explain. Well, you know, Facebook is a platform that, that shares information, but he's not, he's not the source of the information. So he's, you know, the, again, it's kind of like this show if, 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 or a, a radio show that is brokered that says the ideas of this show or the opinions of the show are not those of. And he's, to me, he has that same type of protection. Yeah, yeah, you're seeing this on Facebook, but it's not necessarily the opinion of Facebook. I think it's up to people to, to, to police themselves and figure out what type of information they're going to consume. Um, I think it would be a daunting task because, because when, you talk, when you say lie, uh, every politician, I hate to say this, but it's true. Every politician lies to some, or, or colors the truth. So how how do you police that to the degree that it becomes fair for everybody? I, I don't know that I don't know that you can. Um, you 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 know you got the fact checkers. They can show you. You know, they give what do they give noses, Pinocchios. Yeah. They can you know if, if, if what's the what's the what is the bottom line? If it's one Pinocchio, you can let that slide. But if it's four, we got to fact check that and correct it and not let it on. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, okay, and I agree with him. However, the problem is that Facebook is so huge; it has two billion uh, friends on there. Two billion people. I mean, nothing has been more powerful in, in, in communications and media than Facebook is. And so you have to have some sort of um, method to not let them just run the obvious lies. You know, if, of course, there, there are shadings and spins and all that. That's one thing. But if a... If, um, Somebody put on Facebook that I was a serial killer. Then they ought to be able to stop that. But we Some have things in Let me push back on you a little bit, though. Yeah. But we have mechanisms in place for that. It's called slander. So if somebody said that about you, uh, uh, slander, libel, that's what those things are for, right? Yeah, but, you know, in, uh, in the past... It's not just uh, the person who says the slander that's held accountable. It's the conveyor of the slander. So, for instance, yeah, right. in the famous in, in case. real media. Uh, yeah. In, yeah, with real media. That's Sullivan. what I'm saying, because yeah. I, don't, I don't consider Facebook real media. That's, that's, well, I that, guess that's my entire but, point. Yeah, well, but they are. They, 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 they are. are they right. control they, the media. More it's, people get news from, from Facebook yeah. than any of the networks. To, get, to promote my show. 
I have to put it on Facebook. That's mm-hmm. the rule. They own it. Right. They, they, they have cornered the market. And to quote my dear friend Norm, they're gangsters. And uh, they have cornered the market. And I, you have to do the same thing. So you are literally hitting Facebook with Ben Parker's with great power comes great responsibility speech. That is correct. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, that is. Ap- uh, hey, where's yeah. that? That is correct. Right, yeah, thank right. you. Uh, um, and uh, a- absolutely, Uncle I, Ben. Uncle okay. Ben. Yeah, uh, right. I do. Uh, I do think with uh, great power comes uh, great responsibility, and I do think that AOC did a good job of. Yeah, no, you know, she and, did. And and, 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 and Atiba makes a great point with that, but and it's a difficult problem but we've got to resolve it well i've got to tell you this yeah my advice to the point that atiba made yeah my advice to the people of the city of chicago i'm making the same advice for at least 10 years is never ever ever believe a nice thing a politician says about him or herself in a commercial and don't believe a nasty thing they say about their opponent just don't believe commercials. I That's agree. just my advice to the Chicago voters for all these years. Uh, so anyway, all right, very good. T.B. Buchanan and Monroe Anderson, we're going to take As a break. As we segue into commercials. We segue into commercials. <laughs> and, uh, believe these commercials, guys. Wait, I didn't say these, these commercials are not political commercials, all right? Okay. Uh, and we have our mystery guest. We're going to bring her on when we return. When you lose a loved one whose wishes were to be cremated, Chicagoland Cremation Options provides your family a dignified and affordable cremation service. Chicagoland Cremation Options helps you bypass the expensive overhead of a funeral home or cemetery by streamlining the cremation directly. It saves you sometimes thousands of dollars. Chicagoland Cremation Options Crematory, just south of O'Hare, five minutes west of Chicago. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. You can find them at ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time, ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. And listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. (laughs) (laughs) When Rose in the camera. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. 
live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Mr. Jaroski, take us home. We've been talking Trump, 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 Monroe Anderson. I love it that he's back in town. I've been teasing him about being on the coast. He's back uh, in a TV cannon uh, who, who never leaves the city of Chicago. He loves it so much. We have a mystery guest on. We're going to bring her on to talk about the teacher strike. She's been on the show once before, so she's really no mystery to the show. But before we do that, got an update for me, D? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, Monroe, you're still in the, the camera shot. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right, awesome. All right. All right, we're providing you with some updates here on uh, the Chicago teacher strike, and we do have an update. This is from about 2.34, so uh, not long ago here. Uh, this comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. After protesting, union members briefly blocked traffic near the 78, which, by the way, Ben, refresh everybody. What's the 78 real quick? The 78 is a mega TIF deal on the South Loop. The rally funded deal, I should say. Go the, ahead. The rally became a march west on Roosevelt Road with a group eventually congregating at the University of Illinois Chicago campus where a stage had been set up for speakers from the CTU. So currently right now, the union is holding a rally at UIC. Hey, that's right down the street from us. Right down that street, right down Racine. All right, everybody, after the show, let's party. UIC. <laughs> Into this march, teachers that were arrested yesterday at Sterling Bay addressed the strikers. They accused the media of misreporting what happened and said they wanted to set the record straight. I have a quote from one Hilario Dominguez. She said yesterday when it's we he. showed up... What's that? It's a he. Oh, okay. it's a he. Yeah. Yesterday when we showed up to Sterling Bay, we had no intention of getting arrested. We wanted to deliver a letter asking them to come to the table and negotiate the billions of dollars they received to give us our money we need to close our contract. Alright, they're uh, setting the record. They're always blaming the media. I'm going to stand up for my brothers and sisters in the media. Alright? Uh, mystery guest. Oh, teachers are so mean to the media, okay? Uh, and uh, mystery guest, and Lita Buchanan is her name. She's been on the show uh, one more, once before, right? Yes, sir. And talking about uh, the life of a special ed teacher uh, in the, the uh, city of Chicago. So I'm not going to ask you about the strike and the issues at the table and what uh, Lori said to Stacy, et cetera, and so forth. I want to know, I want you to help people understand what's at stake for not just teachers uh, who uh, special ed teachers but kids in special ed classes uh in the city right now and uh, what's at stake with this strike well i have a unique perspective um although i am a special education teacher i'm part of what they call the inclusion method so i am legally responsible for special education students but i help all of the students and all of the students belong to me um, so when we talk about the strike, it's very personal for me. Anyone that follows me on social media, I'm a teacher of Instagram. I'm very transparent uh, about my feelings toward the strike. And we have a lot of naysayers. I just want to make it clear, not everyone is in support of us being on the picket lines. Um, we've gotten some very interesting gestures <laughs> from some people in some very luxurious cars that go down our street. Um, so not everyone is in agreement with the strike, and it's very hurtful because this is my first strike. As you know, I am a new CPS teacher. This is my technically my first year in CPS. So I've been in education for 16 years, but the transition into CPS, I'm walking right into a strike. So I'm learning a lot all at once. Um, it's very emotional. Any teacher will tell you we miss our children. Um, we wonder how they're doing. We know not all of them have the best home life. Um, not all of them may be in the best positions right now and many of the children want to be with us and as a mother and as a teacher and in particular a special education teacher is very hurtful um just had a discussion on twitter that i started how many of us are sleeping 
um, how well are we sleeping? And the answer is not very well. So a strike is not a vacation. <laughs> um, as many people know, um, and some people don't know because I do read the comments, we do not get paid for it. We still have bills to pay. Um, we still put gas in our car to go to the strike locations. Um, some of us are on waivers where we travel. I travel up to an hour, an hour, 10 minutes some mornings to get to my job. And, and all of that is on me right now. But the well-being and the welfare of my students is well more important than any sacrifice that I make in my home. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the people who make nasty gestures to striking teachers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we the, There's a joke on the show that we do about Jesse Sharkey, the head of the teachers union, always doing these press conferences outside of school where they're striking teachers, and the, you just hear the, the horns thundering support. Yeah. We, I, I just want to understand, do you think most of the people that go by your strikes, your strike, uh, your school where you're on strike are supportive of teachers? Is it a minority uh, that are opposed, that they give you the nasty, f I, I presume it's the middle finger that they're yes, raising? Sir. Okay, they're <laughs> they, they Ron, Ron us, voters. They give us the salute. So what I found is, and I, I can't speak for everyone, but I, I do feel supported by the city. I do feel supported by parents. I definitely feel supported by my um, village so to speak. But I find that the people that do give us the middle finger, they perceive us as being spoiled, um, as being whiny, and they don't talk about any other issues except for the money, the raise. And it's so far beyond that. Um, for me, I've had 42 students in a classroom, and I've seen the type of management <laughs> that it takes, um, lack of seating because there are so many students in a classroom. So when you see these things firsthand, the amount of money that I make um, is not on the forefront of my mind right now. Once again, if money were an issue, we'd go back to work. We're not making money right now. And for a lot of people, you know, we're one paycheck away from poverty. So not everyone has money stashed up and not everyone anticipates being on strike. So this is well more of a heart issue. Um, any teacher will tell you that it's a lot of sacrifices being made behind the scenes. My contractual day, I walk in the door at 730. Since we've been on strike, I'm required to be there at 630. So we're there crack of dawn and I'm sitting in my car and it's pitch black outside. And, you know, I am female, so I have concerns about safety. So it you you risk a lot and you sacrifice a lot. And I just want to give kudos to my fellow educators. I, I think everyone takes it in stride. Um, I watch social media, and I think a lot of teachers pull back um, because we know that a lot of people don't understand. But it, it is definitely a minority um, group of people who don't understand mm -hmm. what it is that we do. And teaching goes far beyond our contractual hours. Um, he can tell you. <laughs> the he being the husband sitting next to her uh, for our podcast listeners who don't get to see the he, Mr. Atiba, go ahead. Yeah. Yes, sir. He can tell you, you know, I'm up on my phone or, you know, I'll come home and I'm in tears or I'll come home and I'm falling asleep in my dinner plate or there, there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes with teachers that I think the people that are giving us that lovely salute in the morning, they just simply don't understand. Well, uh, I just was defending uh, the media a little while ago. Now let me uh, take a little shot at the media here. Uh, my brothers and sisters in the media of the punditry class, the columnists and the editorial writers, really been ne uh, negative uh, to the teachers. Very few that I can think of. I can't think of any actually right now uh, for the mainstream papers who stood up for the teachers. 
and uh, the sacrifice that teachers are making on this issue. And instead, they generally act as though this is some kind of frivolous little thing that the teachers are doing because they want to party and bang a drum and dance and have a presidential candidate come by as if somebody would get, put their life online, their kids' lives online, paychecks online, uh, rent checks online, just to have the uh, opportunity to have Elizabeth Warren show up and say, I, I support you. I'm a little disappointed in many of my brothers and sisters in the media. But talk about that. Talk about why you, you made that decision uh, to support the strike. It's it's extremely hurtful to think that any teacher will have um, any intention other than the well-being and welfare of their students. Um, this is not a glamorous profession. <laughs> I, I feel like the teachers, when I grew up, we respected them more. The profession was respected more. Um, so I think nowadays, more than ever, simply by being a teacher, you are taking a stand that we're going to love on and support these children, despite what um, the media portrays and despite what um, sometimes our parents can be rough on us, too, um, and despite just what society says in general. So, as I said, any teacher that's involved in this strike, we see firsthand people read about it, people talk about it, people tweet about it. But to stand in a classroom firsthand and there are not enough seats for my students, um, it does something to your heart and it does something to your mind to see that we don't have um, certain resources that we need, especially as a special educator, to see that our caseloads are very heavy. Um, I know a lot of people aren't familiar with special education, but an IEP can take hours to write um, to try to find that time. Many of us will work on IEPs from home. We stay after school. We come in early. And those are the things that are not talked about. And I think those are the things that teachers remain very humble about. And we do those things almost in silence. And those things are not compensated for. Exactly. Uh, that's the husband weighing in. Just to remind everyone. <laughs> yep. uh, he knows it. I could tell you this. Uh, as uh, the son of a teacher, uh, retired uh, and I heard, I grew up, part of the reason I have the view I do have is because my mom would come home and I would hear all these stories from the time I was a little boy about the bureaucracy of the Chicago public school system. This is going back to the 60s. Uh, and Lita, not ha that much has changed, let me tell you. And the strikes that they went through. And my mom's generation, like to tease your generation, because I always tell this to Stacey Davis Gates, your strikes are in the fall. They were sometimes <laughs> around the winter. That's when teachers were teachers, okay? Um, but no, teachers have always had a fight in this town and have never been supported by the mainstream media. And uh, they've always been vilified for when they uh, go on strike. Uh, and a lot of times it was just to get a pay raise. I, I, I recognize that. I, by the way, see nothing wrong with that. You should pay your teachers. But in this particular case... Uh, money is not the issues. It's classroom that's, that's conditions. That's the least of our worries right now um, from what we see and what we endure. And once again, I have a unique perspective because I've been in a suburban school system this entire time. And so year 16, I walk into CPS and some things that are commonplace for me. You know, my, my children were very blessed to grow up in the system and things that are very commonplace to us in the suburban school system are non-existent in CPS. And for me, I'm one of those people. I say I'm a unicorn. I feel that education should be fair for all students. Students don't choose their tax bracket. They don't choose where they live. Mm -hmm. So when I'm getting up an hour earlier and when I'm 
coming into the strike, you know, those are the things that are on my mind is that is, is the privilege, honestly, that my, my kids have had growing up in a suburban school system and loving these students the way that I do and seeing that they're not getting a tenth <laughs> of, of what my children have been allowed to have. And it, it's simply not fair as I, an educator. It's just not fair. I cannot remember this. So I apologize for if I asked you this before, but did mm-hmm. you go to Chicago public schools? Did you yourself grow up in the city? I did not. And I'm a little bit jealous because so many teachers, um, have that history um, and they have that pride but I tell the kids just because I didn't grow up in that school system doesn't mean I don't understand Mm -hmm. um, and fight for you just the same so and a lot of them ask me why do you commute this far because I'm needed I mean, I, I pass how many schools <laughs> on my way to work? I, I commute over an hour. So explain that because you're a special ed teacher. Mm-hmm. There's a way. There's a residency requirement for most Chicago public schools teachers. Yes. But since you're such a dire need of special ed, they waive that. Correct. Yes, sir. And they also do that for. Am I right on science teachers? I uh, believe math, science. science, I believe. And um, definitely, I know special ed. See, uh, this is no joke, folks. It's trying to get people to come to the city of Chicago. Generally, the the people that run the city give the middle finger to teachers. They denigrate teachers. They make it's like they have to go on strike to get a raise. They in 2012, I can go on and on. They made them work more, took the money away, so they're working more for less. Blame them for everything that goes wrong in the Chicago public schools. Give money to non-union charter schools to compete with teachers and and undercut their very union. And then they're surprised. Oh, we're having a hard time recruiting people to come teach in the Chicago public schools. They say, well, we want the best and the brightest of all people to come teach in the public schools. Oh, here's a great way. How about that, uh, Atiba? How about if if Mark Zuckerberg said, you know what, I'm going to make... Facebook, the place that every single engineer and computer geek would want to go work. But the way I'm going to do that is pay them less, cut their benefits, make them uh, work more, and insult them for everything that goes wrong with Facebook. How many people would show up to Facebook to work? Yeah, absolutely. Only teachers have to bear that type of brunt. Uh, firefighters never have to deal with that. Police never have to deal with that. It's only the teachers. As a matter of fact, I, I, I'd have a hard time imagining if police officers did strike, which they I don't think they can. In, in no, Chicago. they're not allowed to strike by not law. Allowed, but if they did, I can't imagine that they would ever get that public sentiment of people hating on them because they decided to do that. I wouldn't hate on the, the firefighters and the police if they want to fight. I would support them every bit as much as supporting the they, teachers. Exactly. Because uh, they have very important jobs. There's a lot of bad police that we read about in the newspaper, but overwhelming majority of them are doing a decent job, in my humble opinion. Uh, And Lita Buchanan, thank you for the stand you've taken. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for giving me the platform to even express my my feelings and opinions, so I appreciate it. All right, very good. That's on Lita Buchanan. Yay for our teachers! (laughs) Yay for our teachers! (laughs) Robert has a funny way of showing his love for the teachers. I want to thank the great Monroe Anderson. He's back from the coast, ladies and gentlemen. Looking very dapper and cool from his time out in L.A. He's got his shades on. He says he looks like a young William Hooks. That's what he looks like, a young William Hooks. Another proud graduate of the Gary Public School System, am I correct? Uh, uh, Tibu Buchanan as well, and Lita Buchanan, of course. The man, the myth, the let. Well, update. We got a question here. Uh, Jay Marie waited on the YouTube live stream chat. She heard you talking there earlier. She's wondering, where did your mother teach? Oh, my mother taught here in the city. Well, she taught a lot of different places, but she taught uh, in public schools in the city of Chicago. She taught at Armstrong School, which is in uh, West Riders Park. Uh, she taught at Bird School, which is 
uh, it's like a, a completely gentrified area, uh, but uh, it was a lower income area back in the day in the 60s when she was teaching there and uh, Anderson School. So my mom taught at three different schools in the Chicago public school system. Wow. God bless my mother. All right, now call me White Lightning. All right, anyway, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy, all Illinois. Back home, as Atiba knows, they call him White Lightning. The doctor. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. That's correct. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. Hey, downloaders, we live stream this program. You know that, right? Yeah, we do. And whoop, two days strong, baby. No uh, no shutdowns, no technical issues for two days in a row. We're going to keep that going. We're going to try at least. No promises. But you can live stream the program. Both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites at Benny J Show on Facebook. You can get the link there to the YouTube page and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube page. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, October 30th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go.